it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we have a big hour coming your way that includes a visit from the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, Admiral James Stravitas, uh, the 16th overall. And we'll take your calls, 1 866 408. 7669. And we know in a matter of hours, I'll have a chance to go to the Jersey Performing Arts Center and do uh, America Great from the Start. We'll be live on stage. So I hope to see everybody out there. And then tomorrow, WOKV listeners specifically, but all of our Florida stations, uh, Gainesville is in the area. Orlando's not much of a drive. Tom Bush, uh, BMW. I'll see you in person, answer your questions. We'll have a great time signing the president and freedom fighter uh, from noon until whenever we're done. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. But what has happened, the world and the West and the United States has opened up their return to some kind of normalcy with COVID, certainly. Yep. And China is still locked down. And their people know that. So if he doesn't ease up, the people are going to keep protesting. That is General Jack Keane. China crackdown for now has been on the all-too-rare pullback side. Evidence is emerging that way. Many American companies are also in the big picture pulling out from Nike to Adidas to Apple. Number two. If Apple says a single bad thing about the CCP, that would be an existential risk for its business. And I'm sorry, but this is the new model of mercantilist capitalism in China where they are co-opting American companies. The head, of course, is Vivek Ramaswamy. Big tech is on the hot seat as Republicans take on Apple while they continue to not take out China while taking aim is Congress at Musk and Twitter. Number one. Uh, We've had, as you know, multiple whistleblowers, dozens of whistleblowers come to us and Senator Grassley. They're willing to do that because I think they trust us and they know how bad it is. We're going to get the facts out there. That's all we can do. But that's the first step. That is, of course, Jim Jordan. He'll be on One Nation this weekend. Let the investigations begin. Jim Jordan's action uh, is already in motion for big tech and the FBI are in his crosshairs for their handling of the election and political bias. And we'll talk about all that as the president yesterday welcomed in President Macron of France, who I mean, how, how could this guy be happy with President Biden? And I'm not necessarily criticizing President Biden at this, but I don't know what went down. But we never communicated to our ally that we were going to upend them when it comes to this nuclear sub deal that cost France billions of dollars. And then evidently this horrible Inflation Reduction Act bill that is just full of green energy technology is full of so many subsidies is extremely hurtful to our allies in Europe. Now, I'm not I'm for being competitive allies. I understand that Europe's had it too good for too long with us. But has this been intentional? We're supposed to have the most experienced guy around. And instead, we have somebody that's ticking off not only our and not our enemies, but our allies. So that, along with the rail strike being stopped, I guess, ended. The rail strike will not take place. Why? Because Congress made them go back to work, and they got a handful of sick days. I'll tell you, railroad workers have a way of getting back. You can make it work, but not work effectively. Don't don't be surprised if you get some slowdowns. And I thought Blue Collar Joe loved unions. It looks like he upended a union that was in the middle of 
Uh, it was upending a union that was in the middle of negotiations, so we thought. So when we look at what the president's done, especially foreign policy, he this week has reinvigorated relations with a horrible regime in Venezuela. He has stayed silent with the uprising virtually, him personally. He literally stayed silent when asked by the press about the uprisings in China. He looked at the press and smiled, even though he got rebuked with formal statements from China. So with all that, you wonder, on foreign policy, is the president got it together? A guy, Newt Gingrich, weighed in last night, cut 17. As long as it weakens America, uh, Biden is for it. Whether it's selling oil to buying oil from Venezuela or it's appeasing the Chinese or it's any one of a hundred other things. So why wouldn't he also try to appease the French? Uh, Made in America to Biden is a slogan, not a policy. Uh, and he is happy to give that slogan up if it makes as many friends around the world happy. I think people need to recognize that there's, you know, there's the Biden at the press conference and there's the Biden in the real policies. And the real policies are virtually always designed to undermine and weaken America. And I think his meeting with Macron is just one more example of that. When in doubt, sell out America, embrace the Europeans. When in doubt, sell out America, embrace the Chinese. Just go down the list. But, you know, Newt Gingrich does say in a column today that Republicans have been underestimating President Biden. He said, look at what he's passed, gun legislation, look what he's passed, infrastructure, look what he passed, that multi-billion dollar Inflation Reduction Act, obviously misnamed. So he's able to get all that done, and people keep underestimating him, and it was the best midterm for a sitting president since George W. Bush, and that was after the 9-11 attacks. So he said, look out. He may look feeble. He may continually uh, screw up, evidently 500 times last month, say things that make absolutely no sense. But in the meantime, he's got a system, even with a slight majority, with both majorities, that in many cases using reconciliation is passing and is working. Now, when it comes to China, finally showing some weakness. My fearing is this, uh, that punishment's delayed, not denied, that these, all these people are going to be identified who are rising up in 15 separate provinces over the massive lockdown on the zero COVID policy. My fear is they have facial recognition, retina uh, recognition will go after them. But right now, they're beginning to loosen restrictions and back off on testing. This is what President Trump, this is what President, he would be a great president. General Jack Keane said to me one hour ago on Fox and Friends, cut 15. I mean, hopefully he releases his people from the draconian measures that he's been imposing on them. I mean, th- this is a crisis of Xi's personal creation here. I mean, he began this three years ago in Wuhan City, which we all know is the origin of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And, <clears throat> and he has backed himself into a corner here, Brian. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, he doesn't have a public health system that he's developed over the last three years, and that is really unfortunate. And he knows full well that if he unleashes all of the lockdowns and opens everything up again, that that health care system will likely fail. So that was interesting. And he knows that the zero COVID policy, he was mocking us because we had many deaths. And, of course, millions of deaths, they're all his fault. It's all his country's fault. There's no question about it. Not telling us what the disease was, where it was coming from, the origins of which, how it was transferred, all of it led to millions of deaths. But we have a free society. He doesn't. So he was bragging on the fact that he has a disciplined society that was able to suppress this, the death and destruction of this pandemic they thrust on the world. But we don't ever believe their numbers in terms of deaths. 
I mean, they killed the people that were reporting the virus. They basically ended up dead. More from Jack Keane. Cut 16. But what has happened, the world and the West and the United States has opened up their return to some kind of normalcy with COVID, certainly. Yep. And China is still locked down. And their people know that. So if he doesn't ease up, the people are going to keep protesting. When, right. And when he does ease up, the infection rate's going to climb. The hospitals are going to get overloaded. Well, and he caused this himself. And he won't take our vaccine, which is light years better than his vaccine, which is useless. Just ask anyone in Brazil that was forced to take it. When we come back, I'll take your calls. And we might even have some surprise guests this hour. Admiral James Stavridis will move this story forward along with the latest in Ukraine. Uh, and we have the other breaking news that's happening around the country. Don't move. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, we're back, everybody. one 408 7669 We are going to be joined by uh, Admiral Stravitas in about 10 minutes. i got to get his take on what's happening in the Ukraine. Uh, obviously, it's a tense situation there, and there's, it's a lot of people paying a huge price. But just don't, don't let anyone kid you. The Ukrainians are winning. They're winning by surviving. They're winning by winning every uh, hand-to-hand battle, uh, the head-to-head battle. The only thing we're losing is a desperate so-called superpower that is doing long-range bombing using drones and using missiles, rockets, and blowing up infrastructure, energy infrastructure. But it's being quickly rebuilt and and hopefully uh, replaced. So that is one thing pretty clear. And before we move on, when you, and I want to talk about so much else going on over there, especially when it comes to big tech. Macron has been here, and he visited the president. Keep in mind, he's the one who watched as Australia decided to sell nuclear subs to us, buy nuclear subs from us instead of him. It cost his country billions of dollars. We didn't even inform him. And then we have a situation where the reduction, the Inflation Reduction Act gets implemented, and he says the subsidies that are provided hurt the European Union. I don't necessarily mind that, except for you do it by mistake when you say that your first job is to make sure you become a good ally and a good uh, and a, a formidable enemy to our enemies and a great ally to our allies. Not in France's case. Here's what and they weighed in yesterday on this. This guy should have been on Fox and Friends because he was so against the Inflation Reduction Act. Here's Kellyanne Conway. Cut 18. I have to talk about Emmanuel Macron for a moment. He is a frenemy of sorts. Our our countries are great allies. We need the strength of France on our side in Europe, as you pointed out. But not only did he pull back the French ambassador, being upset with the Biden administration over the Australia nuclear submarine stuff, but after just recently, what, two months ago, six weeks ago, he scolded Joe Biden for predicting Armageddon if Vladimir Putin used his nuclear capability. And you've got this guy who's chiding the American president, who's old enough to be his father, saying, please don't speak like that. It's kind of dangerous to the rest of the world when you do. He also, um, in a closed door, I think, Library of Congress up on Capitol Hill meeting, uh, uh, reportedly said 
that he's upset with Biden over the Inflation Reduction Act. The French president thinks he should meddle in our domestic politics. Uh, that is very interesting. I kind of agree with Kellyanne Conway here, obviously, but he is out here speaking to the press, doing a press conference in America, speaking openly and honestly about how he's a little upset by the invest by the Reduction Act. And also, he feels as though that we're benefiting a little bit from the war with Ukraine, which is a joke. What we're doing is we are doing the right thing for our allies. Nobody's given more actual dollars, more aid and more military equipment. And I guess they're giving the best they can. I'm not sure that that's the case, and I'm not sure that it's really beneficial for him to keep reaching out to Vladimir Putin. It makes him feel as though that he can keep what he got, which is about 15 percent of another country, while keeping Crimea, which he just stole in 2014. So there's an interesting column out by Newt Gingrich, and he basically went out of his way. It sounds as if when you're reading the column that you're just hearing Paul Krugman, big left-wing so-called economist, talking about how great the Democratic Party was or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton, but it was actually Newt Gingrich. And he brought up the fact that Joe Biden, who looks so inept and possibly is, he's doing a lot. And Republicans have to stop underestimating him after the midterms. Cut 19. Republicans lost in the midterms. And his message in this column, it's a signal flare to his party, saying the party is not adequately... Uh, adjusted for how strong President Biden is. His headline, stop underestimating President Biden. And what he's saying is that on President Biden's own terms, how Biden would measure Biden, he's had a very successful first couple of years with more legislative accomplishments than anybody would have expected, given the closely divided Congress and uh, the divided country. So a little sneak peek, a look ahead. It won't surprise you that uh, President Biden agrees with this assessment by Newt Gingrich. So, and that's what he does. It's a cold arms. I'm surprised Newt wrote this because it doesn't really benefit anyone to do it, unless he's frustrated that nobody's listening to him. But I really think that everybody Republican with any type of fame and fortune and, and, and respect report to help Herschel Walker. There is an election going on that could really dominate what gets passed and what doesn't, what subpoenas are issued and what isn't. Uh, if anybody's injured or, or has an illness on the left, they can't get anything done. A 50-50 Senate is dramatically different than a 51-49 Senate. And I can't believe our Republicans are leaving it to Lindsey Graham, Tom Cotton and Brian Kemp to try to get Herschel across the finish line when you have Barack Obama and the whole Democratic Party reporting for Raphael Warnock, who's got the benefit of being an incumbent. And early voting seems to be going exceedingly well. So I'm really surprised. But Newt must be frustrated to a degree. And maybe we'll talk to him on this show about why people are t- taking Joe Biden for uh, for granted. Why? Because every time he speaks, you say, does this guy even know what's going on? Calling for Congress people that have passed away, sadly. Uh, walk not being able to direct himself off stage. Most of the times when he gives a speech, I don't understand even half of what he says. He refuses to do interviews or challenging interviews with people. Uh from people that might have some real questions about how well he can do his job. Here's Jonathan Lemire. Jonathan Lemire on MSNBC this morning. Cut 20. 
whether to elevate the rhetoric of these extremists, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. That's the same debate that's been happening within the West Wing over the last few weeks. Now the Republicans are poised to take control of the House of Representatives next month, and they've yeah. made a decision. They're going to. They, for the first year of their of the Biden presidency, remember he would barely even mention Donald Trump's name. He would. They would ignore the backbenchers. They've decided now they're going to put a light on what they're saying. These extremists believing they can effectively make the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the Republican Party, the face of the Republican Party. Yeah, I don't think it's really going to be effective. Um, that's why Susan Collins won two years ago, and that's why others are able to retain their seats in difficult situations like Senator Ron Johnson. No one looks at them as extreme locally, but we'll see. Nothing can be taken for granted, and we'll see about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's actually going along with the flow because she's going to do something in, in the House that she wasn't able to do before, and that is actually serve on a committee, that according to Kevin McCarthy. But I share Mark Levin's outrage and just wonderment um, that Republicans have not rallied around Kevin McCarthy. There is no obvious second person. There is no celebrity in their midst that could step up and galvanize uh, a caucus. There is no a Freedom Caucus or Tea Party so out to the right it's going to be impossible to get something done like John Boehner had to deal with. Kevin McCarthy pretty much has Jim Jordan and most of the Freedom Caucus on board. They have prominent roles on, and they're going to be listened to. There's no doubt about it they're going to be listened to. They're not going to be somebody in their office drinking all day, smoking cigarettes, hanging out, just uh, lamenting the fact that they can't get the caucus in order. I think Kevin McCarthy will put his ego aside and get it done. I'm really shocked that Andy Biggs and Matt Gates and others have put themselves above what's good for their party. There's people more conservative than them who have known having really a confrontation with Kevin McCarthy who understand it's important for them to stand up. Real quick, yesterday, Barack Obama out, personally ridiculing Herschel Walker over and over again. Here's Herschel yesterday, cut 23. I think the high turnout is going to favor me, and it's high because people want to have their voices heard. They want to have their vote counted. And right now, people are getting engaged in what's happening around the country and also in the state of Georgia. I think they see Raphael went up for who he is. You can tell that they're getting nervous because they got Obama here again. So he's bringing in his celebrities, but his celebrities comes in because that's where his money comes from. Yeah, uh, Barack Obama can rally an audience. He is the draw. He does. He's not the same draw as Trump, but in Trump, it's dicey. A lot of people despise him. A lot of people love him in Georgia. So he's staying out. I'm surprised Ron DeSantis is not there. Brian Kemp is doing a lot of work that could deliver. Yesterday, I saw an analysis shows Herschel's trailing. We'll see. We'll see how many people actually did not want to vote for him that might have changed their mind or how many people voted for Warnock that might not come out. About 35,000 votes separated him last time. We'll see if Herschel can make the difference now. Uh, And early voting was strong in Republican areas. That's another nuance to this big trend. Latest from overseas in a moment. The latest from the challenge of China in just a second, as well as where Admiral Stravitas feels... Uh, the government should be doing to Apple to get them to cooperate. Is it possible with the protesters? I say yes. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It looks like they backed off. Uh, I'm talking about the Chinese government. Instead of trying to kill or arrest 
all the protesters in 16 separate provinces, maybe even more over the zero COVID policy and all the other repression that we're seeing. It looks like President Xi has backed off for now. Admiral James Stravitas knows that area as well as anyone, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO uh, and a member of the Carlisle Group. Admiral, welcome back. What's your take on China's stance? I think that President Xi is making the own <clears throat> The only move that he possibly can, Brian, which is to uh, push forward on uh, repression. But at the same time, he's got to lift the relief valve just a little bit. He's going to kind of make a one-two punch here. Don't look for him to suddenly become a kindly Democrat. He's going to be someone who is going to use all those tools of repression, but by easing the safety valve a bit. He'll take a lot of the protesters off the street. Um, he will muddle through this thing. Uh, the, the key for him is not only suppressing the protest, but getting his economy back on track. And he can't, what, does he realize, doesn't he realize that by locking everybody down with the zero COVID policy, millions at the same time, it's never going to get, you're never going to get rid of the virus, number one, and number two, never going to get the supply chain fixed? He, you're exactly right. And um, I'll give you problem number three is the Chinese have yet to develop an MNRA vaccine. That's the, the type that we have here uh, that's proven to be so effective. Xi has yet to develop that in China. That's a third factor along with the other two you mentioned. Yeah. What about the fact that they decided to take this opportunity with us pulling back <clears throat> and not condemning them or supporting hourly supporting the protesters? They still took a shot and saying the American people deserve better uh, fentanyl deaths, shooting deaths. And their COVID policies have lost millions, millions of people have lost their lives. Really? You're responsible for the fentanyl. You're responsible for the for the COVID deaths. You're the one who allowed (laughs) us to hit our shore without even telling us how it started or what it was. Yeah, this is uh, convenient amnesia on the part of the Chinese. And let's face it, we ought to just put that where it belongs in white noise off to the side. Um, Our job at this stage of things is to continue to lean in and confront China on the big issues. And that's everything from uh, their pressure on Taiwan to their preposterous claim of ownership of the entire South China Sea, an area half the size of the continental United States, to all of that they are taking advantage of us in trade and tariff deals. Um, We've got a lot to resolve with China. Now it's not the time to be backing down to any of that kind of nonsensical rhetoric coming out of Beijing. I would think so. But the fact is, we didn't speak up even as hard as Trudeau did, who's more in bed, you know, more linked with China than anybody else. He came out and said, we're going to continue to ensure that China knows we'll stand up for human rights. We'll stand with the people who are expressing themselves. We also need to make sure that China and places around the world are respecting journalists and ability to do their job. So China came back and told us the price of freedom in the U.S., 1 million COVID deaths, 40,000 gun deaths, 107,000 fentanyl deaths uh, last year alone. The American people deserve something for better for that. What we want is to protect our people's lives and ensure them a better life. There's so much, so much belligerence and accuracies and audacity in those statements. I can't get over it. But first off, yeah. why is Justin Trudeau showing more muscles than President Biden? Well, Justin Trudeau in Canada, he's the leader of Canada, of course, has a particular bone to pick with China at the moment, which is that the Chinese effectively kidnapped a number of Canadians, held them hostage, if you will, because a 
Chinese national was appropriately being detained by the Canadians. It was a hostage deal. Um, so Canada has a particular level of animus toward China at the moment, and Justin Trudeau is channeling that. Hey, I think the larger point here, Brian, is as follows. What you're seeing Xi do, because he is making a mess of it at home, he's trying to direct attention overseas. And that's exactly uh, the dictator 101 move. So look for that to continue. Look for China to be more belligerent on a wide range of issues and look for more of this uh, ridiculous rhetoric. Sometimes it's called, Brian, wolf diplomacy. This is what the Chinese diplomats are sent forth to do. Not going to have much effect on the United States in the, the end. In you know, my view. The, the incoming chairman of, of, of uh, foreign relations in the House, Michael McCall, uh, before I move on and talk about the Ukraine, I just want you to hear what he had to say about China. A Defense Department report released today finding China is accelerating its nuclear expansion program amid all of this. What is your reaction to that? Well, uh, you know, I've been briefed on this in the classified space. It's very alarming uh, where China's headed in terms of its military and its technology. Uh, the hypersonic weapon was a first demonstration where they are. And the fact is, Sandra is built on the backbone of American technology. We need to stop selling uh, these, this technology to China from the United States. And when I'm chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, that's what I intend to do. Uh, but they are very advanced now. They are the number one threat now to the national security of the United States and the free world. So do you believe that? A lot of times that there was a sense that they were just making it seem like they were expanding their nuclear arsenal. You believe they are? Um, 100% they are, and you don't have to go into the classified spaces or sit in a skiff to get those briefings. Um, I'll give you the numbers. China currently has about 300 uh, to 500 significant nuclear warheads. The United States has about 5,500, about 10 times as many, and Russia has that number. We've been in a, a very stable uh, bipolar world with U.S., and Russia having big nuclear arsenals. That's where we want to kind of remain. What we ought to worry about is China is talking about going from 300 to 400 warheads to well over 1,000, and then really no end in sight because President Xi talks constantly about China becoming the dominant world power by the middle of this century. So for all those reasons, we had to wake up. And <clears throat> I'll conclude with this, Brian. It's not just long-range ballistic missiles we ought to worry about. China, you mentioned it, and so did uh, future Chairman McFaul there, is going to attach nuclear warheads to these hypersonic cruise missiles. That's very destabilizing, very concerning. All of that ought to get our attention. Uh, incoming Chairman is right. And on a side note, I'm sure you know how popular TikTok is. Is it, uh, <laughs> is it time to ban it, and now word is the Chinese Communist Party used TikTok to interfere in the U.S. elections? We ought to be very concerned about what's going on at TikTok, yes. Um, and I would say, rather than focus on a, a, a simple, immediate, okay, let's just ban TikTok, we ought to look at what's happening at TikTok as a larger wake-up call for the way in which China is inserting itself using cyber across a wide range of social media platforms going into uh, the back office cyber operations of our major corporations, continuing to steal intellectual property. I think this cyber front with China is 
possibly uh, as important as the military things we just talked about a moment ago. So, yeah, they have uh, they have uh, they just pick candidates, mostly Republican and try to vilify them. Ted Cruz doesn't care about us, all this stuff. This didn't come from Democrats. It actually came from China. So that is a huge issue. So, Admiral, I want to fast forward over to Ukraine. The president of the United States yesterday uh, said I talked to Vladimir Putin under certain conditions Uh, right now. You look at uh, Ukraine dealing with winter and infrastructure issues and Russia looking for a problem with manpower, morale and maybe money. Yeah, let's let's think of this as a burn rate on both sides of the firing line. In other words, both sides are burning through their resources on the Russian side. They're burning through troops. They probably lost 100,000 at this point. They're burning through equipment, thousands of tanks, hundreds of jet aircraft. They're burning through military equipment and soldiers. On the Ukrainian side, they're burning through materiel and soldiers, not at the rate the Russians are, but their burn rate that ought to concern them is the patience, the resources of the West. So I would say, Brian, As we get into winter, both sides are going to experience that burn rate. The good news is that it might push both sides toward a negotiation as we get into late winter, early spring. That's kind of a best-case outcome, but both sides are going to feel the pressure as the winter draws on. So uh, I know that if you gave them the Iron Dome and uh, attack them, it would change everything. Do you think Israel, with the new leadership, could give them— uh, pieces of the Iron Dome uh, to help with their air defense? And do you think that we should give in and give them a TACOMS? I, I do think we should give them a TACOMS, which for your listeners are long-range surface-to-surface missiles that can reach well behind the front lines and go after logistics, which has proven to be the big Achilles heel. Iron Dome is an air defense system, surface-to-air missiles, built jointly by the Israelis and the United States. Could Bibi Netanyahu decide to provide those directly, he could. I think it's unlikely that he will make that choice because Israel tries to maintain a strong relationship. Strong might be too strong a word, but viable relationships with Russia because there are many Jews in Russia. There are many connections in trade and economics between Israel and Russia. So unlikely Bibi will step up and do that. But he could put pressure on the U.S., could be done jointly. I would, I personally would strongly advocate for Iron Dome to help the Ukrainians close the skies from these Russian missile attacks that are destroying their electric infrastructure. So what's kind of interesting, too, is we're going to start expanding our training of the Ukrainian <laughs> troops, too, in, yes. in European theaters. You're for that? I am 100 percent for that. As Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, Brian, I was also commander of U.S. European Command, all U.S. military activities in Europe. So I know these training ranges very well. The best of them is in Grafenwehr in Germany, where we train U.S. and NATO troops. It would be easy peasy to bring the Ukrainians in there. And the idea is to give the Ukrainians not only the weapon systems, which we're doing very effectively, but give them the training yeah. to use more modern styles of war against these Russians. I understand they're being called the MacGyvers of war because they're able to take <laughs> equipment and continue to modernize and utilize it, uh, trying yeah. to mesh together the old Soviet missiles. You know, I'm kind of shocked at, uh, too, about how many of these Eastern European countries now members of NATO that never modernized their military. Yeah. 
Yeah, and let's face it, this is a legacy hangover disease, if you will, from the Soviet Union. Everything had to come from the, the center. Everything had to come from the highest levels of government. The, the operational levels in those militaries never learned how to be the MacGyver. They never <clears throat> inculcated the SEAL mentality that we have gotten so good at here in the United States. And frankly, our European allies were really part of that 20-year forever war in Iraq and Afghanistan. We all learned a lot there. Let's convey that to the Ukrainians. Right. Um, you're not going to see much of that coming from Moscow. Real quick, on the B-21 that just got, uh, yeah. there's 10 years in the making that's now going to be in play. The most advanced military aircraft ever built and is a product of the pioneering innovation and technical excellence. That, according to Northrop, who put it out. What's the B-21 going to allow us to do? Um, it's going to add to our strategic nuclear capability. It is part of the triad alongside the submarine launch ballistic missiles and the uh, intercontinental in-ground ballistic missiles. The, uh, the manned bomber gives you, Brian, is a dual capability. It can use cruise missiles. It can use bombs. But you've got a man in the loop, and you can pull it back at the very last minute, unlike that the other two portions of the triad, once you press the button and the missile is gone, it's not coming back. So it's a good capability. I know a fair amount about B-21 because I used to be a uh, an advisor to Northrop Grumman, um, and I, so I'm into that program a good bit. It's a good right. add to our capability. And lastly, the, the DOD put out a statement and a report showing that China has been able to uh, use our failure and the way we uh, the embarrassing way in which we left Afghanistan to tell our allies and our enemies what a bad partner we are and have made gains around the world because of it. That's our own Department of Defense. Here's my view, Brian, and we could argue for hours about Afghanistan, how we got there, why we stayed so long, what techniques we used, what were the mistakes by us, the mistakes by the Afghans. But I would hope everyone can agree the manner in which we departed was a debacle that did us no credit. That's simply a fact. Yeah. Uh, Admiral Kirby seems to feel differently, which I find astounding. Um, Admiral, always great to talk to you. I hope to catch up to you. I'm going to be uh, in Jacksonville this weekend, so I hope to look you up. I am right here in North Florida, and we're all thrilled to have you back down in the Jacksonville area. And uh, your book is doing wonderfully down here. Everybody really appreciates the, the tone, the history, the thought that went into Freedom Fighters. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. The President of Freedom Fighter, uh, now Adam Paperback. Admiral James Stravitas, thanks. When we come back, your turn, one 408 So glad you're here. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama, yeah, a superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing. Made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent. That is uh, Ricky Gervais, and how appropriate now for the news. Him from that two years ago at 
the Golden Globes Awards. He was asked to host twice. He's like, why did you guys have me back? It is awkward watching it, but it is unbelievably accurate, isn't it? No, so funny. So many of the jokes were so funny. Yeah, that was in uh, 2020 that he made all of those jokes, but they still apply today. Yeah, and what happens is, too, is that uh, Apple, Tim Cook, to his credit, he went out there face forward and said, I want to go meet with Congress. He knows there's going to be a transition. He knows that he needs uh, federal, He needs the federal government behind him, or at least not against him. And he wanted to explain himself with the stance on China. What is the stance? The airdrop function that allows protesters to communicate and not be tracked. They were peeling it back and knocked it down to 10 minutes on the request of the communist government because they want to be able to track people. They walk by. You have to see some of this video online. They will walk through trains and just grab your phone, look at it, open it up, and see who you're communicating with and see all your contacts. If they don't like what they see there, you're under arrest at the moment. So they want to stop that. So if you airdrop, you can't see who gave it to you or what it is. You can easily delete it, and you can communicate. And that was eliminated as a function on the iPhone owners in 16 separate provinces who were riding over the weekend. So what they wanted to do with Tim Cook is to explain himself, but also here's what he told Daryl Issa when it comes to politics. Cut seven. It was candid, uh, perhaps a little tense, because we both have important issues to discuss. We need to make sure that he keeps the commitment he made to me, which was to keep his thumb off of the question of politics, uh, to be Switzerland, if you will, relative to the left and the right. And you'll know, not necessarily take left or right, but are you going to do their version, Facebook's version of shadow banning? Or are you going to go back to 2016 where you could buy your way in, you could accelerate, you can expand your audience or not? Uh, I think that Zuckerbucks is going to be something that everyone recognizes is left-wing financing of candidates in battleground states that helped deliver a victory for Joe Biden's party. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Make sure you go to BrianKilmeade.com. Find out where I'll be for the president and freedom fighter. Next stop, Jacksonville, tonight, New Jersey. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here as we round out a big, big week. This hour, we're going to be joined by Pete Hegseth, who works in the building full-time. He has dental as well as 401K. We'll talk about his contributions, as well as Geraldo's financial statements. Uh, we'll get through all that because it's tax season. So it's time. Uh, if, you know, it's been five minutes, and the Democratic House has not asked for Donald Trump's tax returns. So we thought we would on this show. Geraldo, before I get to the big three, do you want to say hi? I'd, I'd love to say hi. It's delightful to be live with you. In, and it's very rare. This used to be in, um, when we were on 18, you came in all the time. I did. I did. But I would have liked to do that since. It's just I got lazy. I lost focus. Got a new dog. Sold three houses. <laughs> Sold got three bought houses. a new one. <laughs> Heading Pretty to my new. boat now in Florida. Are you really? Yeah. Want right. to come? You've been on. Well, I'm going. I'm going to Jacksonville all over you the are? weekend. Yeah. What's the FO for one of these? Tom Bush. Tom Bush BMW. I don't know if, if you want to get one. Uh, this might be a good time to shop right before my appearance. I drive Bentley. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> that's not. That's not helpful. Let's get to the victory. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally, nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. Number three. But what has Ah. happened? The world and the West and the United States has opened up. They've returned to some kind of normalcy with COVID, certainly. And China is still locked down. And their people know that. So if he doesn't ease up, the people are going to keep protesting. There you go, General Jack Keane. China crackdown has, for now, been all too rare. It's been a pullback. Yup, evidence emerges that many American companies also are pulling back from Nike to Adidas and even Apple. We'll discuss it. Number two. If Apple says a single bad thing about the CCP, that would be an existential risk for its business. And I'm sorry, but this is the new model of mercantilist capitalism in China where they are co-opting American companies. That is Vivek Ramaswamy. Big tech is on the hot seat as Republicans take on Apple while they continue to take on China, all while taking aim at Musk and Twitter. Kind of weird. Number one. Uh, We've had, as you know, multiple whistleblowers, dozens of whistleblowers come to us and Senator Grassley. They're willing to do that because I think they trust us and they know how bad it is. We're going to get the facts out there. That's all we can do. But that's the first step. Hopefully. Let the investigations begin. Jim Jordan's in action as big tech and the FBI are in the crosshairs for their handling of the elections and some political bias. So let's bring in Geraldo Rivera. Hey, buddy. uh, First off, Geraldo, in all our years together, I never have said this before. China pulling back on protesters. I'm not sure what that verb means. What does it mean to pull back on protesters? They are eased up on testing. Uh, they have eased up on restrictions. So, so they, are, they are conceding that the protesters have a case. Absolutely. Oh, of course. It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, tell but lock it has up been Shanghai. Been, but you know, we've been seeing this video. Shanghai. We saw when this Wuhan virus came out before you even hit our shores, watching this horrific video of people being locked in their rooms, screaming out windows. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I I think that Dr. Anthony Fauci is a wonderful public servant, and I also think that none of these investigations, at least so far, have laid a glove on him. Uh, He was right. He did his best under the circumstances. Uh, Trump, it was Trump's uh, vaccine. Thank God uh, the former president pressed for it. Uh, But Fauci helped implement it. And now I'd like to see China follow the United States and get back up, uh, wake up. All right, so let me just give some details, and we'll discuss Anthony Fauci. The president uh, showing a rare display of weakness, according to the New York Times, in Beijing. It looks like they're rolling back restrictions. They're allowing home quarantine, cut mass testing. Uh, pregnant women, elderly uh, people or with underlying illnesses will qualify to isolate, but that's it. Close contacts of cases will also be allowed to isolate. Home isolation uh, for the effect infected would be a significant change. Uh, because they were taking people out, putting them into institutions. Earlier this year, entire communities were locked down. Some of these groups, they call themselves like the, uh, I think these, something with white in them. I don't know, they got some nickname for them. But these big, massive guys come up and they just basically they seal your apartment or put padlocks on it and sometimes take your kids away from you. You have no idea where they are. I'm surprised this outrage didn't take long. It didn't come sooner. It is, uh, to me, so impractical. I don't know what the hell the Chinese are thinking. Why, for instance, isn't everybody in China vaccinated? I mean, why not? If they, with our they, vaccine. They, they have it with our vaccine, not theirs. I mean, give, give one that, that does more than, uh, you know, horse tranquilizer. So I, I think they should be vaccinated. And I think the it is pretty clear, and Dr. Fauci even reluctantly conceded, that it probably came from the Wuhan lab, that it probably was a leak, or he said it, it could have been. I say probably. 
Uh, you know, somebody got it on their shoe. They walked out of that lab that we in part uh, funded and uh, spread it to the world with de- devastating consequences. But now it is over in the sense that there is a vaccine and other therapeutics. Why the hell the Chinese don't come to the United States and say, can we do what you did? Well, you know why. Uh, no, I don't know why. You know why, because of pride. Uh, they, they inflicted this uh, virus on the world and really poisoned nations. Possibly uh, true. So, so listen I'm to this. Likely. Yeah, it is likely. likely. So here's what they wrote to us. After our, our president did not have any type of even a voice for the protesters, that even Justin Trudeau did, he said they write, the price of freedom in the U.S., 1 million COVID deaths, 40,000 gun deaths, 107,000 fentanyl deaths. The American people deserve something far better than that. What we want is to protect our people and lives and ensure them a better life. So they are producing the fentanyl and mocking us that we're dying from it. They actually came up with this virus, mocking us that a million have died from it, and then crowing that they have a better response. Well, we've been out of this for a year. Let me just say one quick thing about this. Tiananmen Square, when it happened, and that brave man stood in front of the tank and stopped the tank, and it really looked for a time that the, uh, the Communist Party was teetering. Uh, I have to admit that I worried that an anarchistic China was more dangerous to the United States than an authoritarian China. I hate to say that, but that's just my feeling. I thought that if China spun apart and started going in all these different directions uh, under the, the guise or yeah. the banner of democracy, I mean, where the hell that ends once they start that? It is uh, it is a, a chilling prospect. Well, Chiang Kai-shek is dead. He's uh, dead. So we know he's he can't dead. come back. Well, but he still has but I would take that Taiwanese. Still has Taiwan. Right. Uh, I would take that Taiwanese government and put it right into red China. Man, what a success story that has been economically. Uh, that has been a Kimoy wonder. Kamoi and Matsu could be the beginning. Put resorts on those little islands five miles off the coast. Start there. It, yeah, it would be fantastic. And just to have a non-threatening democracy – I'm all for that. Yeah, the problem is the route from here to there is oh, I know. fraught with peril. I never predict. I never predict that they're going to come apart, but I am. It's deadly noteworthy when they don't kill everyone they see. Yes, that, that is. That's pretty good. <laughs> we like that. Yeah, and we like I, when they don't slaughter their people. And I don't want to spend the whole time uh, arguing about Anthony Fauci, but I, I find him a train wreck. And I found that his weekend, his interviews over the weekend, the softball questions that he got as he takes a bow for the work that he was ineffective doing, for example, don't wear masks. This pandemic's not going to be a problem here. Wear a mask, wear two masks. I recommend goggles, telling people stay home from school. Now he says there's a downside to keeping people home from school. Then you find out he's working with social media to make sure so-called disinformation doesn't get out there, disabling YouTube for using congressional testimony with Ron Johnson chairman because he doesn't like ivermectin or some other remedy. I really think that uh, in the long run, history will not look at him kindly. Speaking of history, there are two Brian Kilmeads. There is the Brian Kilmeade who, as you just uh, recited, can be the toughest guy uh, behind a microphone and really hold someone like Fauci to the uh, to the task. You also, though, and one of the reasons I love you is you have a kindness and an open-minded reasonableness right. that I think the conservative movement needs. Thank you. Um, I, would, I would say this. Um, Newt Gingrich had possibly the most interesting column today, and he said, time to give stop underestimating President Biden. Good. He said, Good. He said the infrastructure bill that passed, the anti-inflation bill that passed, the, um, the gun rules that went through— and the showing at the midterm elections, it shows Republicans have the wrong strategy. That's a ultimate conservative. 
Do you think the fact that he had to write it instead of having these conferences behind closed doors shows people aren't listening to him? Or do you think there's something else to it? I don't know exactly what motivated him. I do know that he was the architect in the 90s of a whole new approach to government that was enormously successful during the uh, during the Clinton years when he was speaker or Newt Gingrich was speaker. And I like that. I like that. He is right. He is right. The the fact of the matter, I won $1,000 off Jesse Waters yesterday. Why? Because he predicted uh, with great arrogance, I, with all due respect to Jesse, who I love, uh, that there would be a red wave, that the the conservative movement, the Republican Party, Trump-inspired, would sweep the Senate and the House of Representatives. As it turns out, there was a tremendous rebuke. The Congress uh, barely, barely is uh, in Republican hands. The Senate is not, regardless of what happens in Georgia. We can talk about that if you want to. Uh, so that should humble and chastise those who were so filled with swagger that they knew they or they expected that the country was with them. And guess what? The country is not with them. So there's also a theory. The Wall Street Journal had it, I think, last Wednesday or Thursday. And they said, why is it that inflation is so high, interest rates are high, uh, but unemployment stays low and some of the indicators uh, are positive. It shows that people are still shopping and buying and going out to eat. And one of the reasons is they said that there's so much money in the reserve, so much money printed in the flood of the zone for so long that it's going to take a year for people to really look around like we did in the 70s and say there's no net there. I mean, paycheck to paycheck people aren't paycheck to paycheck because they're able to collect and hold a lot of what they had. Because of the fact that people hoarded money. Also, you got to look at the stock market, the amazing resilience of the stock market. Many, many people, middle class and up, own stocks. Uh, they are partners in the American enterprise, the great American enterprise. They are dying, these companies, for new workers. They, I told you on the, on the show this morning, I went to the movies to watch The Fableman, the Steven Spielberg. Was it good? Order. Oh, it's pretty good. Very Jewish, but pretty good. But wait, was it all about him? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. I Very didn't know. Close. It was like his biography. No, no, it was his autobiography. So uh, anyway, the, uh, at the theater, we got there early. I had a sign outside, Help Wanted. So uh, my in-laws and Erica went next door to the uh, to the gallery, uh, and I had a sign on the door, Help Wanted. I didn't want to go to the gallery, went next door to that, to the bar, and the bar had a sign, Help Wanted. All three of these enterprises, very different, all needed employees. We need immigrants. We need orderly immigration, legal orderly. immigration. We've That's got right. to get the uh, to an understanding that these people, when you walk through the Darien Gap, and you're walking 1,500 miles through the uh, the drug lords and all the other perils that you uh, that you endure. It's almost like a Darwinian evolution. The the, the toughest make it. You know the uh, you know we're getting the cream of the crop. If only well, we, we could also make see it unaccompanied six year olds. Uh, we also do that, and they grow up to be uh, business owners, and uh, maybe one of these days one will be president. I just I like to circle the word orderly because I'm all for yeah, immigration and legal. Yeah. Um, I, I want to leave some time to talk World Cup when we get back, but I just want to give you some numbers that I had this morning that I think are accurate. Amazon is cutting 3% of its work staff for 10,000 people in retail. Facebook, uh, at so, so-called Meta, is laying off, uh, stopping recruiting and laying off 13% of its workforce or about 11,000 people. Ford, Ford and Walmart, similar situations. White collars are being uh, laid off at a pretty high rate. So now CNN just suffering. CNN is about to. I mean, they're about to cut more to the bone. I think they're going right. to make the announcement soon. Yesterday, white collar or late yesterday. Yeah, white collar. They're not. Right. They're not. 
getting rid of workers because obviously the, you need the workers in the warehouses. Right. So what do you th- what do you think? Is this a is this a latent effect? Are we going to feel this soon? Uh, you see it in the Bitcoin is the most grotesque example of uh, the arrogance of the uh, whole Silicon Valley. Uh, uh, mindset. There was a, just this feeling that they could do no wrong, that they would always find work for their, their staffers. But so many, they padded these companies, and there's so much competition between the various platforms now uh, that it's pretty clear that you know adding people to businesses don't necessarily. That's why you need Warren Buffett. You need people with the with prudent, ordinary, normal. Uh, sensibilities as to what the American capitalist system needs to thrive. What workers do we need? We don't need just a whole bunch of people. And I, you know what? I, ironically, Brian, it was uh, it was home school, uh, homework. You know, uh, working working from home showed people that we really don't need a lot of these uh, people. Got great paying jobs and did very little to add value to their companies. Right. So maybe people felt like they were too fat. Yeah, yeah, and then and and you know, let them regrow. Let them. Uh, I think that what's happening in Twitter is is very uh, uh, you know intriguing to me. I, I so love Elon Musk. Yeah. I like his whole idea. He fired half the staff, and nothing happened different uh, with Twitter. With my FTX and uh, Twitter, two of the most intriguing stories in a long time. Yeah, uh, non political, right? Kinda. Back in a moment. The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think Hitler was a good guy. I get the uh, the Hugo Boss uniforms, amazing. Uh, but I mean, just because you're in love with the design, you're a designer. Can we just kind of say, like, you like the you like the uniforms? But that's about no, it. No, we we no. I, there, there's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. A lot of things. See, I find that that is so, Kanye West so with disgusting. Alex Jones. So disgusting. I mean, I'm 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 Jewish. My mother's Jewish. My dad was Catholic, but uh, you know, I grew up in both cultures. Uh, I I know survivors of the Holocaust with the tattoos. Uh, they're gone now, but evidently he doubts on, the Holocaust. He, he's a denier. He'd be he'd be a criminal. Just his denials would be a crim, a crime in Germany, for example. And but I mean to put a swastika on a Jewish star. Why the hell you do that? What there's only one reason you do it. You do that to stick it to the Jews. You do that to really say I don't give a damn. I don't care your ethic or how powerful you are in Hollywood or anywhere. I I think that uh, I'm I'm going to say to you that those six million lives doesn't matter. Don't matter. I mean, yeah. it's it, that's it's what, so despicable. It, it's almost not. It's, that's right. It's, there's not even a new one. There's but he's like, like crazy. It's, it's like crazy. That's there's crazy. something wrong with. I mean, right. there's something wrong with him. Why are they even? Why is he not institutionalized? Uh, there's got to be. He is a, way. a danger to himself and others, but he just doesn't loiter in the subway. So, uh, quick thing: Do you care about the U.S. national team? I know you have a soccer. Oh background. yeah, definitely. Are you watching? I watch. Uh, I watch religiously. It's on Fox. I'm very proud that Fox is streaming it. That it's running. I'm everywhere. watching on my iPad. I, yeah. I, you know, it's terrific. I watch it on YouTube also. Uh, I I just love. To me, and you really, and with your coaching and your own playing and your kids playing, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful sport. I mean, aesthetically, it is a beautiful sport. And to see these stars, Young. to see them, uh, Ronaldo and uh, Messi, and then our kids, our kids, uh, and, and the U.S. team, 
Uh, I just I love watching like, Go USA. They've got a tough uh, match uh, against Holland. I heard a great stat. 92 years this tournament's been around. There's only been eight nations who have won this tournament. Was Brazil four or five? Yeah, I think four. Uh, and Brazil is obviously a favorite now. Argentina. Uh, Neymar is going Diego with Bolsonaro and making it a little political. But Saturday against the Netherlands, I really think they got a legitimate shot. And when you see some of the upsets we've already witnessed, why not? And what do you think changes? Real quick, 30 seconds. What do you think changes if they beat and get to the eighth quarterfinals? There's 11 people on a, on a side, whether you're Brazil, Argentina, or the United States. And some days, your 11 could step up and really do something brilliant. Great shot. I mean, the goal, uh, the American score. Full save. I mean, what guts, what balls to right. go in there and just take that shot. And Alexi Lalas told this morning he will be playing. I, I hope, so I hope ten, he plays at 100%. Right. 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Uh, and, of course, the big news afterwards, Messi's going to Miami to play for David Beckham's team. For real? For real. That's all oh, but a done deal. It's about time he cashed out. <laughs> 36. Back in a moment. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Macron gave a speech, and uh, you can see Joe next to him digging a dirty tissue out of his coat. Get in that note. What happened to handkerchiefs? Remember every old guy had a handkerchief? And then a few minutes later, Biden, uh, he's going, hey, put it in here, and they hug. He calls that the old Joe Blow. Thank God Dr. Fauci wasn't there. He'd have dropped dead right on the spot. So, not a word about the 45 seconds handshake that we discussed today. He literally held him like the old-fashioned <laughs> handshake with the thumb up in the air. How old? Pete, oh, by the way, Pete Hegg says here. Great to be here. Right. So, Pete, Jimmy Kimmel chose not to emphasize the handshake, even though it's, it, it's benign. It's not going to hurt his ratings. It's a, it's a walking comedy script writing itself at the White House, and they can't take the best lines because— they're, that would be taking on their own team, which they can't do. That's why he's losing. Did you watch Gutfeld last night? It was a phenomenal television. Really good, really funny, on target. They, they just skits, can't right? do yeah. that. They just can't do that because, you know, he, he's at the, he'll be at the White House Christmas party. You know, I mean, they, they can't, they Stephen can't shoot Colbert their own had Janet Yellen on, the most boring person oh. ever. Who would ever, do you think Johnny Carson was booking like Jimmy Stewart and Robin Williams? And this guy's going, oh, Janet Yellen's available? Fantastic. <laughs> so listen to a Jimmy Stewart, uh, how Jimmy Kimmel handled Donald Trump, for example. It's a handshake. Allison, just give me this context. Okay, so they, he did that joke initially in the monologue. I'm like, oh, great. He's going to now make fun of the Biden handshake, right? Yeah. Oh, no. He makes fun of Trump's handshake from years ago. Listen to it. Emmanuel Macron has been through a lot in the handshake department. Remember back in uh, 2017, Trump went to France and uh, held on to Macron <laughs> for dear life. He, he never mentioned Biden? Holding the hand. It was almost like he forgot they were holding hands. <laughs> Jack and Rose and Titanic didn't hold hands for as long as these two did. Wait, he's not talking about Biden? No, he goes back and shows video from 2017 of Trump holding on to Macron for so long. Which, okay, fine. I was like expecting then a joke on Biden holding him for so long and then nothing. And then nothing. That was, I, I can't see that, but that was the handshake where Trump pulled him in. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like in a, in, a, in a commander move, like, get over here, kid. Right. Uh, I, and, and they can't do it. They can't do it, Allison. They can't. It's, 
They're incapable because they're in the tank. They're on the White House Christmas party list. They can't take them on. And if they do, it has to be with kid gloves. Do you remember when Chevy Chase, you would remember, but I w- and I was in grammar school, when Chevy Chase was making fun of Gerald Ford, and Ford's like, okay, you better come to the White House. Like, I don't really want to go to the White House. No, no, he was making Ford. He was just stumbling because he fell a few times. Yeah. Meanwhile, he was a center on University of Michigan's base, uh, football team. But they made him seem like a stumbling, bumbling guy. And he said, okay. Come to the White House. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to go. There. Dana Carvey was doing a funny imitation of Bush. He's like, I need you to come to the White House. Make, and if you're making fun of me, I want you to bring you. They almost were embarrassed to go. Now they want a compliment to get on the list. It's just the opposite. You're the, you know, you're the comedian. You're supposed to be tweaking everybody. And going to see the guys you're tweaking should kind of make you uncomfortable. They're even com- though it's because. They're a completely captured and compromised class. I mean, it really is a big giant media club. It might as well be state run media. They don't do it because they have to. They do it because they want to, because it is part of their agenda at this point. You know, it It went from bias uh, to, to agenda now to full on uh, indoctrination and they're happy to do it. All right. A couple of things that I, I brought up that I thought was interesting. The one thing I got to give credit to president Biden for doing, although it wasn't done the way the Republicans actually came up with an idea when they, when they had the house, when they had the Senate on the chips act to start divesting and bring incentivizing people to come back to bring, to bring back technology. And Biden got it passed, but he did it without certain incentives that, uh, that to bring people back here as opposed to Vietnam, but it's already happening. I'm kind of heartened by it. I was shocked to see that Adidas and Nike pulled up all of their production out of China and that now it's down to the products made by Apple is down to 36% in China. But the problem is that makes them subservient to China is they want the market. They made $74 billion, uh, Apple made $74 billion in selling to Chinese people. So that's, their, that's what they're worried about. But that movement could be one of the movements that gets Republicans and Democrats together. If, you, I, if I'm leading this country, I'm looking for that. Are you down on that possibly? I am down on that. I I'm, you know, I'm fairly skeptical about You're the very skeptical. places maybe justify <laughs> where Republicans and Democrats interest actually converge in a way that's advantageous for our republic. This could be one of them. Problem is the instincts of the modern left are very similar to the CCP. Uh, it, it, their instincts of authoritarianism, COVID exposed that. But if, if they're red-blooded Americans, which they are, they should see not just the rivalry, but the, uh, the challenge that China imposes on us now they may look at it as china's a problem because of climate change and we look at it as china's a problem because they're communists okay so we see china as a problem for different reasons fine but we could come together and say divesting from them is in our best interests i don't think washington will do it well but i that this morning on fox and friends when you rattled those stats off that was the first i'd heard it and that is very heartening and you know the first Better time than i come heard to it? america so- but Vietnam better than China. Susan Lee came in and said to me in the break after we did a segment just on Apple and why Tim Cook saying what he did and why President Biden wasn't strong supporting the protesters, which I think is sickening. Strong doing the protesters in Iran and and, uh, reinforcing relations or starting relations again with Maduro's Venezuela. She said, by the way, check this out. Uh, They are divesting. They don't want to make a big deal of it. They don't want to draw attention to it because it doesn't work for them to say we're pulling out if you're Nike. But they realize the problem. Can you believe that Vietnam is our best answer historically? And they've been very loyal. They have. I mean, the- and can you believe the communist Vietnamese hate China? They hate China. And China hates them. They look at them as a threat.
Yeah, I mean, talk about one of the unintended consequences of history. Yeah. You look at the way the Vietnam War ended and where they are today, it's a miracle uh, that, that those things have aligned. Because, but the, because the people closest to China understand the threat China poses better than we do. It's just like Japan. Yeah, yes. it's just like Israelis understand the threat that a terror state next to them in a lot more existential way than we do. Japan, uh, Taiwan, uh, Vietnam, South Korea, they understand it and uh, thankfully are part of the solution. Allison gave me this story. I didn't want to try to get a hold of him. Newt Gingrich wrote this column today and, I'm, and it's being reverberated a lot of places. I don't know where it first published. It, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's on his website. He basically says Republicans have to stop underestimating President Biden. He had the best midterm of any modern president outside George W. Bush without a war. He talked about, uh, for the most part, with a, with a uh, Biden has carefully and cautiously waged war in Ukraine with no American troops. He has terrible problems with the economy, crime, and the border. But he executed a strategy of polarizing Americans against Donald Trump and then turned January 6th into a crisis, which we know it isn't. And they also exaggerated what the abortion rights was. So to not to not acknowledge the strategy that was effective while saying while noting that it's inaccurate and while ignoring early voting and hoping it'll go away. That's not a strategy that has Republicans looking long term success. Can you I mean, that's rare. Do you disagree with Newt there? No. I mean, that is why Newt Gingrich has is one of the best political thinkers thinkers of our generation. Uh, I, I think he's right, but I don't think it's Biden. I think he's got a smart, savvy team of advisors around him who are effectively an extension of the Obama White House. Most of his no advisors question. are extensions of the Obama White House. They're effectively executing a third-term strategy, leveraging the unpopular aspects of their political opponents and weaponizing institutions of government to do it uh, with an uncritical press. So Donald Trump couldn't do this because the press would be all over him, even with fake stories as they were. But with a fawning press that won't even make fun of you and then institutions that won't uh, hold you to account when they held the House and the Senate, you can get away with a lot. And those advisors know exactly what to tell Biden to say, when to tell him to shut up, what events he does and doesn't do in a savvy political way. you right. got to give him credit. See, when it's you bad s- for the country, but – but They're see, we had the op- I had the opposite feeling with Obama. If I let Obama stay, you know, you saw how talented Obama was in front of a microphone. He's got char- char- charisma and presence. He can be funny. I don't see any positive qualities ever with Joe Biden. Evidently, he was fun to be around and one of the guys. But you could play, play back things from 1970s. And he was screwing up, saying things were totally inaccurate and false, making up his academic success that never happened, his athletic success that never took place. But I just want to, uh, before we uh, close out here, can you imagine if President Trump decided to make amends with Maduro and said start drilling? Can you imagine if he ignored the protesters in China as well as Iran? Can you imagine if Ukraine was, inv- was invaded during his watch? They would have said because he's buddy with Vladimir Putin. Yes. Just the opposite was taking place almost everywhere. Absolutely right. I mean, they gaslight us – that's why that's the word of 2022, gaslighting. It's, it's making you feel like you're insane. They're doing precisely what they accuse their political opponents of doing without a hint of the hypocrisy because no one asked them the question except for Peter Ducey. Yeah. If there wasn't a Peter Ducey, they would literally never confront the reality or the common sense view of what they're espousing from the White House. Pete Hanks at the air. Uh, Pete, tonight. I'm sorry. In, uh, in about – well, I guess you're going to get to the to the to the arena 
to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center around 5.30. You run a very commanding rehearsal schedule, Brian. <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> We're going to be there a little early. Yes. But there's plenty of beer. Okay, good. All right, good. good. Um, yeah, what did you say? And drink it to he already That's put not, his orders in, right? Didn't they contact you no, about I, your green yeah, room preferences? Uh, gin. Gin. Is that really? That's, that's my drink of choice. You know, you should. Do, there's a pathway for a gin in, in the liquor world. You know how everyone's doing whiskey? Yeah. And they've done vodka? Hegseth's gin. If you like gin. Love it. Well, that you should think about that. Get yourself a distill. dry gin. Right. That's smart. I might do that. I've. Think about I'll, it. I'll, get, I'll cut you in. But tonight, you know, we're going to bring America Great from the start. It's going to be streaming on Fox Nation at 8.30. The show really starts at 7.30. Uh, Pat O'Rourke's going to be doing stand-up. Uh, Rick Thatcher's going to be getting everyone ready, too. My uh, friends from Massapequa. You've already had a Zoom rehearsal. And we're going to bring George Washington's Secret Six to life. And you're playing a key role in? In uh, Washington Spiring. And I'm um, a key role in whether or not we take on the Tripoli Pirates. So the Thomas Jefferson Tripoli Pirates. So Thomas Jefferson Tripoli Pirate. You've got Jefferson and Adams in their debate about the efficacy of it. And I get to oversee it. Uh, Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, we're going to see feature Rachel Campos Duffy. Uh, she's playing a key role. I am. I am. <laughs> there's some things you do. Uh, you weren't sure what you were signing up for. <laughs> sincerely amused and interested and fascinated about what tonight's going to look like. Because I know you pack these places out, Brian, and I know you give a great performance. I'm just worried about weighing the whole thing down. No, no, I'm I'm so confident. Uh, The battle for the American mind, too. We're going to open up. I don't know if I told you, but we're going to open up and talk a little bit about your book and then afterwards a little bit, uh, too, and then take questions. But the battle for the American mind, best of how long was it, number one? It was number one for a month, a month. and it was on it's the amazing. list for 14 weeks. Yeah, we'll talk about that, too, because that's what really the fundamentals of this is about. I'm going over history in a fun, educational, I think, a way in which we hope we whet the appetite for people to go back and get the true history from the actual people that lived it, not people's interpretation of how they lived. To the words of uh, Frederick Douglass, the words of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and the people around him. That's Absolutely. what's going to come to light tonight. You've done that. For years, Brian. I mean, you are the resident historian here at Fox Nation and Fox News. Seriously, what what you've done to advance a real understanding of history is phenomenal. Uh, Tonight we'll do it on stage. And he doesn't know quite what he's getting into, but it's (laughs) going to be real. It's streamed at 8.30 on uh, another reason to get the Fox Nation app. That's the other thing. If you can't be in in Newark, that's okay. Foxnation.com on the app. It will be streaming live tonight. It's going to be great. Uh, Pete Hegseth, uh, thanks so much. Thank you, brother. All right, you wearing the same thing tonight? Whatever you want me to wear. No, I think that's good. This? Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, A fitted suit. Fitted suit. Fitted only for Pete Hicks. You know George Washington only wore the finest. I don't know that. Know that. We're going to look <laughs> into that and try to get a second source. Uh, and we need knickers. I need to see your calves. Okay. Uh, back in a moment. <laughs> Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Watch uh, my accounts because they've been frozen by Jewish uh, banks. So I I need to watch my mills. Well, CNN says white people are evil Nazis. So, I mean, I I, I disagree with both statements, but I get the frozen. I don't don't like the word evil next to Nazis. I think we need to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Just because you don't like one group doesn't mean the other. I love Jewish people, but I also love Nazis. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. Well, I have to disagree with that. Right, but listen, we're going to go to break.
Next time Kanye's going off on himself, I'm telling you, just close your eyes, forget it's him, and really listen to what is coming out of this guy's mouth. He's like I'm a genius. I'm a god. I'm Shakespeare. My biggest regret is I'll never get to see myself perform live. That's a direct quote. My biggest regret is I'll never get to see myself perform live. Dude, you put that ego in a white dude that is it benign in the Streisand. What's the Blitzkrieg? What's the superior race? So that is Bill Burr. So that is Bill Burr from five years ago five talking about years Kanye ago, West. being clairvoyant. Yeah, that is unbelievable. I mean, do you see Alex Jones getting nervous? Alex Jones having to walk him back when Alex Jones is uncomfortable trying to save yeah. him. I don't put the word evil and Nazis in the same sentence. Have you ever heard anything like this? No, but I think you nailed it before. Like, I mean, he is mentally ill, right? I mean, he was probably more medicated on Tucker, but I mean, he he's off the rail. It's sad. I mean, everything he's saying is absolutely despicable. Don't get me wrong, but he needs he needs someone needs to help him and institutionalize him. Oh, who would uh, that idiot, the other white supremacist who I never heard of before uh, he had dinner with Trump? Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes. He was there, evidently. Yeah. So why would you? Also, I mean, it seems like there anyone who invites them on, they're happily going on at this moment too. But right. Uh, well, Alex Jones is probably one of the few to have him on. Well, Tim Pool did, and he walked. That was a thing a few days ago, and and that was a disaster. Yeah. Right? he like walked off. Yeah, so he has fifty million dollars he owes in taxes. Fifty million dollars, and I know you don't want me to blame accountants, but at the very least, how accountants should call a press conference to say, "I've been trying to get this this music mogul music music mogul to pay his taxes. I am resigning." What accounts do you know that really want to bring attention on themselves? Usually if you go into accounting, you sort of But like I, I want my name off his tax returns. But they probably might say they're not signing it. I mean, if you don't agree with what something's doing or they're saying, like, this is what they owe. I don't know how it all works, but I know you don't necessarily – I know um, from a source, if you don't agree what a client wants to do, you don't need to sign off on it. You can advise them, but then they can do it on their own. Then, then you just don't sign it, but then they say who worked on it. Are you liable? No. So the Georgia runoff is, is coming up in De- December 6th. I'm getting the sense Republicans are not putting the effort in. While Obama shows up for Warnock, who some people think is winning, I don't see DeSantis. I guess Trump is too controversial. But there's other people. Where is Nikki Haley, who's got a lot of residents in the South, also could be a great moderating presence? We have Lindsey Graham working so hard. Tom Cotton. Here's Herschel yesterday. Cut 23. I think the high turnout is going to favor me, and it's high because people want to have their voices heard. They want to have their vote counted. And right now, people are getting engaged in what's happening around the country and also in the state of Georgia. I think they see Raphael went up for who he is. You can tell that they're getting nervous because they got Obama here again, so he's bringing in his celebrities. But his celebrities comes in because that's where his money comes from. Well, he does have a lot of Barack Obama support, but the linkages, uh, where he's linked to Calvin Butts, where he's linked to uh, Farrakhan. If you're going to come after Herschel Walker about what happened in the mid-'80s, you could bring up all these linkages, let alone the towers, which he evidently owns, or his, his church does, where he's still the man in charge. That's a Brian Kilmeade show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Pick up the President Freedom Fighter. If you want to go to I can order it and send it to your house. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. 
Everyone, welcome to a, one of the last hours of the week here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world. We're a few days away from a runoff election. January, uh, excuse me, not January, uh, December 6th, Herschel Walker against Raphael Warnock. Uh, Walker's got to just tap into what Brian Kemp did, and Kemp is all in. They've been friends since Herschel was 17 years old. The very successful governor of Georgia, I hope, is helping him out. In a matter of moments, excuse me, in about 10 minutes, we're going to speak to Vivek Ramaswamy. And then at the bottom of the hour, Rachel Campos-Duffy. And in case you are listening to my voice in in the area, and you have plenty of time, uh, come see me tonight with uh, some of my Fox friends at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. We'll do America Great from the Start live on stage. Go through America. It's a patriotic, motivational, inspirational night like no other. At 8.30, it'll start streaming on the great app Fox Nation. So for now, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But what has happened, the world and the West and the United States has opened up their return to some kind of normalcy with COVID, certainly. And China is still locked down. And their people know that. So if he doesn't ease up, the people are going to keep protesting. Yeah, and they stopped. China's crackdown has now been an all-too-rare pullback by the government's. Evidence emerged that many American companies also are pulling out from Nikes to Adidas and even scaling back Apple. Number two. If Apple says a single bad thing about the CCP, that would be an existential risk for its business. And I'm sorry, but this is the new model of mercantilist capitalism in China where they are co-opting American companies. That's uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Big tech is in the hot seat as Republicans take on Apple while they continue to take on China, all while taking aim at Musk and Twitter. Really? Number one. Uh, We've had, as you know, multiple whistleblowers, dozens of whistleblowers come to us and Senator Grassley. They're willing to do that because I think they trust us and they know how bad it is. We're going to get the facts out there. That's all we can do. But that's the first step. And he's already at it. Let the investigations begin. Jim Jordan's inaction as big tech and the FBI are in this crosshairs for their handling of elections and political bias and hammering whistleblowers. So we have a lot to discuss now. We know the jobs numbers came out. It was a little bit better than everybody thought. It was over 260,000. They expected about 200,000 jobs added. But I'm looking at Amazon. I'm looking at Facebook. I'm looking at Walmart. Uh, I'm looking at some other major companies like General Motors, and I see them laying off white-collar workers. I hope that stops. There are so many jobs that are available out there. I hope that they start being filled. There's a lot of people who just seem to have enough money or their expectations are so low, they just don't want to get involved in getting involved in a career and putting themselves out there. But one of the main stories that's percolating around the world is what's happening in China. And I watched some strong responses Not a lot, but some strong responses as China was cracking down in brutal fashion to the protesters who have stood up because they've been locked out of their homes. But one of them is not Apple. So to follow me here, evidently there's this airdrop app that now allows you to be able to airdrop to people different pictures and locations, but they don't track who gave it to you. So therefore, it's a dead lead if someone like the Chinese government grabs your phone and tries to find out who you're communicating with to maybe put you in jail or beat you senseless or jail your family. So one people that are now getting rid of that, knocking it down to a 10-minute rule, is Apple. And when they were told that, really, we started seeing some of the limitations come down on Apple, and Apple responded positively in 2017 because they don't want any of their people in China to have privacy. So Tim Cook was followed by Hillary Vaughn, asked great questions, and his lack of answer and uncomfortability says it all. Cut six. 
Hi, Mr. Cook. Do you support the Chinese people's right to protest? Do you have any reaction to the factory workers that were beaten and detained for protesting COVID lockdowns? Do you regret restricting airdrop access that protesters used to evade surveillance from the Chinese government? Do you think it's problematic to do business with the Communist Chinese Party when they suppress human rights? And the answer was no answer. I mean, why he didn't come out and answer those questions, I don't know. I mean, he's the CEO of the most successful company in the country. By you being silent, it says a lot. You don't want to deal with the press? Maybe. But don't go to Washington then. Behind closed doors, I imagine, and I'm going to ask Jim Jordan this on One Nation on Saturday night, that Tim Cook is saying we understand there's a problem there, but I have $74 billion that I made there last year for my shareholders. I can't pull out or damage that. But you could say to your shareholders, Morally, I can't do this much longer. Um, There's too much going on here. I don't want to be complicit in the destruction of the Chinese citizen. And that's what you're doing. Politically is something else. Deciding on an app store, who gets an app and who doesn't. Even Mark Zuckerberg joined Elon Musk in saying Apple has too much control. And also we know that the Zuckerbucks that took place with Facebook – and Apple and they do what they combined to do with the Hunter Biden story in the New York Post exclusive really affected the last election. Can I just add this? That China behind the scenes through TikTok was putting ads out there just to support candidates that they wanted to see win. Think about that. Actually fueling the flames for people that might have doubts about Dr. Oz or, uh, or uh, General Bolduc in New Hampshire to help Democratic causes, because maybe you think you're better off with a Democratic government. I think China knows they are. Here's what Daryl Issa said about the meeting they had with Tim Cook, Cut 7. It was candid, uh, perhaps a little tense, because we both have important issues to discuss. We need to make sure that he keeps the commitment he made to me, which was to keep his thumb off of the question of politics, uh, to be Switzerland, if you will, relative to the left and the right. And that's what he's hoping for. I don't, I don't think any – if I thought of, there was a major – another major outlet, social media outlet that was trying to destroy whatever and trying to shadow ban Barack Obama or shadow ban the Daily Beast or shadow ban CNN.com, I thought that would be – I'd say that's ridiculous. Let it out there. Let's see what happens. If you get more clicks, then they should – shows there's more interest. Howie Kurtz was on last night on Special Report to weigh in on how the Democrats are, squi- are screwing – down or turning the screws on Elon Musk and Twitter, while at the same time looking the other way at the other social media outlets. Cut 11. It also seems that many uh, left-leaning journalists also uh, don't want free speech. What they liked is the old system of rules and regulations. And, you know, it's, it's not like, and I know the European Union now wants Musk to do a better job of policing hate speech. Uh, you know, what he's done is no permanent bans. You do something bad, you get suspended, but no permanent bans. Uh, and it, it has flipped. It used to be that Democrats and liberals were the party of free speech, and now they don't seem to care very much about it as long as they can get their way. Yeah, and Elon Musk is not going to give everyone his way, just going to get rid of the shadow banning. I told you I've added 50,000 new followers. Why is that? My popularity rose? No. It's just that people aren't being shadow banned anymore. I know before 2018, 2016, I was adding 
you know, 5,000 every four days, and it just stopped around 2020. And I thought, what's going on? And then after the election, they fell off a cliff. A lot of it's because people were so fed up with social media uh, that maybe were following me. They they exited from there, but they also maybe just decided they don't want to ride. They don't want to let voices like mine rise up. I don't know, but good news is Elon Musk will tell us. So I'm going to ask Vivek Ramaswamy that, so I'll take a break now. Rachel Campbell Stuffy will broaden it out and also talk about a new Gingrich column that I find fascinating. He said Republicans have to wake up and stop, get this, hold the phones, underestimating Joe Biden. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Dave Chappelle created some controversy, as you know, on your platform. And we've been talking also about platforming, sometimes hate speech or anti-Semitic speech or other kinds of speech. How do you think about that today? Our brand is trying to be the most exciting entertainment company in the world. And Chappelle is dead center for us. He is the best or one of the best. And that special was one of the most entertaining and watched specials we've ever had. We would do it again and again. So we clearly need to be more obvious and direct about that, which we've done since, you know, with employees and with um, people who care about Netflix, that we're about entertainment. And Chappelle is very entertaining and, and, you know, provocative. And again, that's that's the core of what we're doing. And that is uh, Reed Hastings, who is the CEO of Netflix, saying, I'm going to double and triple down with uh, with Dave Chappelle, even after what he did on SNL, which I thought was a great stand up. It certainly wasn't it wasn't a guy who's timid or worried about being canceled. I don't think it's possible to cancel him. Vivek Ramaswamy would know about it. Strive Asset Management founder, author of Nation of Victims, who has a great uh, knowledge of business as well as what's happening digitally in this world. Try to make heads or tails out of what's happening with Apple and Possibly what is is and not happening when it comes to Twitter. Hey, Vivek, welcome back. Good to talk to you, Brian. How are you? So you must have been heartened to hear something like uh, a non-politically correct CEO with a powerful company not looking to back down. Could this be the trend? We watched Bob Iger also say stop with the culture wars. Could this be could this be a new trend? I think it could be a new trend, Brian. And as you know, I've been working on it and continue to work on it through the private sector through you know, shareholder voice via Strive and otherwise to drive this cultural change. And I think we're seeing it. I think it's interesting in the Netflix case, though, Brian, to sort of to really understand what's going on there. Okay, Netflix did change their position earlier this year, but it was only after they reported a disastrous quarterly earnings report. Okay, Their subscriber growth was down, revenue was down, profits were down. And then they responded by sending a message to their employees to say that we're putting excellence at the top of our cultural document. Artistic merit comes first. And if you don't like working on a project, then you can show yourself the door and work at a different company. But it took the economic consequence of seeing a business threat before they actually reversed course. And I will remind you, this is the same company. This is the same CEO of Netflix, right? who fired just a couple of years ago a guy by the name of Jonathan Friedland, who was, I, I believe, their chief communications officer who had been at the company for a long time, who descriptively, not using it as an epithet, but descriptively used a, a word that you're not supposed to say, the N-word, in describing, as I understood it, the words that they did not want to say on their shows, and yet that was a different environment, right? Back in 2018, 2019, 2020, a different cultural environment in this country, which caused him to fire that guy back then, 
things have changed, largely in part to, I think, the efforts of, of great people in the public and private sector to change the cultural ties, such that that punishes Netflix economically if they become too politically correct. And now I'm happy to see that very company do a 180 in the other direction. So a couple of so things. I hope we yeah. see more of that. Yeah, just like the All-Star game because of Jim Crow 2.0, the president, he coined that phrase. Really? We just had the largest turnout in Georgia that they've had, the largest uh, early voting turnout that they've ever had. Nobody's passed out because they couldn't get water from a stranger online. All that stuff resulted in movies pulling out of Georgia and the All-Star game leaving Georgia. And then I think that Ron DeSantis helped everybody as governor when he made Disney pay the price for coming out politically against their educational program. So now all of a sudden they have to turn around and say, I have a responsibility to my shareholders not to blow relationships with one party or the other. I can't do what you idealistically think I should do. End of story. Correct? You know what? Absolutely correct. And I would say that every company should probably put in its corporate charter, okay, that they will not take positions on controversial political questions. So that way, when the activists, the 5% of people who work at a company, by the way, whenever they say the employees are demanding it, it's not the employees, Brian. It's like 5% or less of the employees who happen to be the most vocal. When those activists crop up and say, this is the statement you must issue, this is the position you must take, it puts the CEO in the position of saying, you know what? No, it's in our corporate charter. We, by mandate, cannot take positions publicly on controversial political or social questions because our focus has to be on our product. That's what more companies need to do. It's, it's to sort of to borrow the, the expression from our uh, longtime friend in the Odyssey, our old poet Homer, tying ourselves to the mast. Part of the reason you have stated principles as a nation, as an institution, as a company, is that in the time of need, those right. principles give you a North Star that is something that I would advise every major CEO and, and, and shareholder base of a company to do in this country is put it in your charter, say that you don't take positions on controversial social or political questions, and then in your hour of need when the activist employees show up at your office crying on your shoulder, you have something to point to. So am I a hypocrite if I say Apple should stand up to the Chinese government or well, because the for the good point. of the company and for their, for their shareholders – they should stay and make their $74 billion a year. So it's a great point. Let's get into that. So one point I would make, Brian, is that hypocrisy is something you're allowed to call out of Apple without being a hypocrite. Because what Apple does is they make $100 million nine-figure commitments to racial equity here in the United States, critiquing alleged social injustice in America, which it has no business doing, which then opens the door to saying, well, you're actually not commenting on human rights atrocities abroad, period. Okay, so that's, I think, Apple's... Apple's um, hypocrisy of their own, and I don't think you're a hypocrite if you point that out. But then what if you say that, okay, well, what if we live in a world in which Apple just does what's best for its shareholders, focusing on making products? Well, that's how I believe companies should actually behave, but this is where it comes to the job of U.S. policymakers. Okay? China is playing a different game than America. America operates today under the illusion of global free market capitalism, when in fact China is operating a mercantilist system that uses companies and the threat of losing access to the Chinese market as a way of getting companies to advance their own geopolitical agenda. That is why Tim Cook is a circus monkey who jumps when Xi Jinping tells him to jump. He asks how high. That is something that U.S. policymakers need to deal with. We cannot operate in the, under the illusion that we live in the 1990s democratic capitalism, the world is flat, Thomas Friedman view of what global capitalism looks like. 
China does not play by those rules today. They're using companies as vehicles to advance geopolitical and even increasingly military agendas. And that's something for U.S. policymakers, for the U.S. president to evaluate how we address those. And I have views on that, Brian, but that's not at that point Apple's job anymore. Apple's job is to not be hypocritical and not wade into social justice issues here in the United States. And if they do, we absolutely ought to call them out for their hypocrisy in China because consumer demand can actually drive their behavior too. But assuming that they then move up the chain to to behave in the proper way, there is still a sleeping giant of a problem that needs to be addressed. That's in the realm of people who are responsible for looking after U.S. national security to do it. I want to get some questions about Elon Musk real quick. I've got a couple of minutes. Uh, do you think he knows what he's doing when he went in there and gutted and told everyone, if you don't get an email, you're fired, and if uh, you have a problem with it, you should quit? Uh, we haven't really seen much change on the product. Does he have a method to the madness? I hope he does. We will see. I mean, I think a couple of things I want to say about that, just as a joinder to the last topic. I mean, look, I love Elon's vision for Twitter, and I would love to see him execute on it. I hope he does, and I think there's a good chance he does. I have some concerns about Elon, just as I do about Tim Cook. I think that China is using America's most powerful capitalists in part to advance their geopolitical agendas. They're definitely true for Tim Cook. I hope it's not true for Elon Musk, though I was bothered by some of the comments he's been making about Taiwan annexing itself as a special administrative region to China. So that's one Elon concern. But broadly speaking, what he's doing with the employees I think is great. I think this company needed to downsize. It was carrying a lot of dead weight on its back, not only from a cost structure perspective, but from a cultural perspective. The company now has a clearly stated mission and vision, and employees who are not aligned with that vision do not belong at that company. So I think that I'm I'm 100% behind him also in terms of the hard work culture. Silicon Valley has been coddled by this culture of laziness. Absolutely. I'm 100% behind him and think he's on the right track. Whether or not he takes the right approach to content moderation, we'll see. He's been a little all over the place saying things like, you know, we don't want the 10% on the far left or the far right on the platform. My opinion is if it's a free speech platform, being politically centrist as the means of of, of censorship isn't really quite doing that. So I think time will tell, Brian. Vivek Paramaswamy, thanks so much. Pick up his book, Nation of Victims. It is encouraging and also defining. Thanks, Vivek. Uh, Rachel Campos, stopping next. That makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is about determining to what extent illicit and corrupt foreign cash, including from our adversary, China, has subsidized and supported the lifestyle of Joe Biden, compromising him as a fundamental matter of national security. This is the most important investigation that is going to be conducted by the new Republican Congress. And I salute Kevin McCarthy for making clear that he will support James Comer and Jim Jordan with every subpoena they want to issue, with every investigation they want to launch, and with every contempt citation or criminal referral that they want to make. The new Republican Congress is going to get to the bottom of this and expose Joe Biden's corruption once and for all. That is Stephen Miller, of course, main official with uh, Donald Trump, talking about possible investigation that it looks like it's going to happen now. The House will be in Republican hands in a month. 
under Kevin McCarthy, I think, if he becomes speaker. Rachel Campos-Duffy joins us now, Fox & Friends weekend co-host. She is at the point now where she was on TV every day for the last, I think, 15, 20 days. (laughs) She had one day off, and then she had a million things to do. Uh, and now she's back and getting ready for eight hours a minimum over the weekend. Rachel, welcome back. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. I mean, with your with your husband and the all this uh, going back and forth from Wisconsin to Washington, you know when things are serious, when there's a power change. Do you think that the Republicans understand how much people are counting on them to get to the bottom of multiple investigations? And do you think are you encouraged by what you hear Jim Jordan and Daryl Issa are doing? Yeah, I am. And Comer. And yes, I, I, I believe they're really going to do it this time. And what's interesting is that there were some people um, trying to, you know, tell McCarthy. And I've heard that just sort of through the rumor mill, like, oh, you got to, you know, people want to look forward. They don't want to look backward. You always hear that kind of stuff. But you see that Kevin McCarthy, um, you know, is is focused on it. And I believe he understands that people expect this to happen for exactly the reason that Stephen Miller just said. This is not it's not even about corruption and grift. This is about our national security. I mean, look at what's happening right now in China. Um, our government is not standing with those people. Um, and it's embarrassing. It's 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 so opposed to what we stand for as a country. And I don't think that Joe Biden can do that. I don't think Joe Biden can do anything that embarrasses Xi Jinping because Xi Jinping and the Chinese Secret Service know exactly what his family has done. They could do the investigation for Congress right now, just release it all. And so I believe that Joe Biden um, is compromised. And I believe that he there are many other policies that he's taken that has shown weakness with China. And I believe it's related to the fact that he knows what his family has done um, to enrich themselves and, and basically to sell out our country. I don't think I have to remind you that President Obama's uh, policy with, uh, with China and Russia was totally underwhelming. And remember how bad it was, how he had no problem humiliating President Obama on his, la- his last visit to China. He would not let them in- disembark. They wouldn't bring stairs over for him to leave out of Air Force One. They had to leave out, leave out of the cargo entrance, and then they locked up the press in a small room and wouldn't let them cover the joint press conference. We know Vladimir Putin never had any respect for him. So now you have Joe Biden, who might have personal compromise, uh, compromise on him, let alone the fact that instinctively he doesn't want to be tough with them. You remember, he came out and said that they can't eat, that they can't uh, – uh, they can't touch us economically, and clearly they can. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I think one of the things that we all miss um, from Donald Trump was his seriousness when it came to China, that he understood they were our geopolitical and, and economic enemy, that we needed to um, adjust. Even those of us who, who love free trade and believed in free trade uh, had to had to get real and realize there was no free trade with Joe Biden and I mean with China and that we needed to be um, uh, tougher. And so now we see with Joe Biden that these policies have reversed and we're feeling it. I mean, we, we, we sense the weakness and it's sad. And I think that I think it's the China policy that I miss the most um, from Donald Trump and that I hope at least the House um, can mm-hmm. take a hard stand on some of these, whether it's with TikTok, um, whether it's with, you know, with trade. Um, but especially when it comes to human rights, uh, these are human beings uh, that we're talking about um, who who deserve freedom, who deserve um, to not be chained into their homes uh, the way that the Chinese government has done in such a shameful way. 
And so, um, but finally, can I tell you this? This isn't the only time that it's not just China. I mean, look at the way Joe Biden treated the protesters last summer in Cuba. Those were also, and, and in Iran right now the, with, with, the, with the protest there, this administration never stands on the side of people seeking freedom. Um, and in last summer, all those people asked for was a, a little bit of a satellite hookup so they could show the protest and show the atrocities. And now all those Afro-Cubans who were the artists who were leading those protesting in Cuba last summer, um, they've now disappeared and, um, and they're gone. And, and no one knows where they're at. And, th- and that's Joe Biden's fault because he could have helped them. Yeah, a fear of uh, a fear of losing any type of relations in trade and tourism with America and just speaking up, putting pressure on the government. We're watching you. We're watching. We see yeah. what's happening. That, that doesn't yeah. say we're invading. It doesn't say we want to dominate. This is not Vietnam, too. But if you just provide inspiration, you know, I think it was uh, Sharansky in Russia when he was locked up for being a dissident. And he ends up, he's in Israel. I, I'm not sure if he's still alive. But in the 80s, he said that when he saw and read the words of Ronald Reagan and talked about how he was taken on the Iron Curtain and the hope and liberty, Reagan was never going to invade the Soviet Union. But when people get locked up and sacrifice themselves for freedom and liberty and know there's an America out there who cares about him, that could literally change the direction of a nation. And I just thought that, that, that Joe Biden would be channeling that. Because he's been he's been around since the 70s. And it's just, you know, it's just a matter of saying words. He doesn't even need action. And he has no interest in saying this. Look at the case in, in, in Iran. I mean, essentially, we're funding the oppressors of those people by continuing with this stupid Iran deal that makes no sense at all. Um, the, the protesters have made it very clear. And, and, and their supporters um, here in the United States have said, stop funding that government get out of that evil Iran deal, and um, and they won't. They always seem to be on the side of dictators. And I think, you know, you hear me talk a lot, Brian, about the Chinification of America. There's a lot of authoritarianism, um, and that I think our our own government is complicit in. And I I, I never understood um, their position on this. I look at what's happening in Latin America, um, the way we've given China an advantage there, right there in our backyard. Um, none of this makes sense, and it's, a, it's an administration that doesn't take China serious, seriously, and worse, um, is compromised. Our, our president is compromised, and that's also tying his hands as well. So, Rachel, I, are you stretching out? Are you getting ready for tonight's event on Fox Nation <laughs> beginning at 830? Are you making sure you, you can respond to anything? I am ready. I am ready for this event tonight, and I, I told you I'm bringing – Four teenage boys who love history. Um, they're going to be there as well in, in the crowd watching. And I'm excited. You have never seen this, you know, your your event. So I wanted to go as just an audience member. And somehow I got pulled into this, <laughs> um, this, this sketch. But I'm actually excited about it. Yeah, we're going to open up, find a little bit about your story, and then see you uh, bring history to life. And then at the end, we'll be able to take questions, too. So if you're in the New Jersey area, you know, a few t- uh, tickets are left. But if not, you could watch the stream at 830 tonight, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it over the weekend. So, yeah, it all starts at 830 Eastern, but I would assume things are going to start rolling in the theater around 745. And I will say this, very, very pandemic-like, we actually rehearsed on Zoom. So yes, we, did. <laughs> we rehearsed on we did. Zoom. Like, it was, it's we so did. 2020. 
Yeah, and with your childhood friends. I just love how you've figured out how to just hang out with your with your old grade school friends through this project. <laughs> well, you were in the military, so you didn't really have the benefit of being in the same town for too long, right? That's right. No, you're absolutely right. I moved every three, three to four years in my life. Yeah, there's a lack of emotional and spiritual growth in my life because I'm still in the same <laughs> town I was born in, hanging out with the same guys. You know, we we have the same periods off every year, and we have gym at the same time, so we were able to <laughs> bond. <laughs> uh, and they will bring them on stage. Them, when I met them on Zoom, I I could see why you guys are all friends. It was actually really cute. <laughs> uh, so yeah, with that, thanks so much for doing this, Rachel. And I look forward to meeting yeah. your son and his friends tonight. Uh, and uh, and thanks so much for the time on the radio. Of course. Take care, Brian. See you tonight. Yep. Fox and Friends weekend from 6 to 10 uh, Saturday and Sunday. So when we come back, we'll take some calls. There's also news about Vladimir Putin that you're going to want to hear. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The first day of December already. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. Can you believe we are here already in December? It was Halloween just the other day. Can you believe it's December 1st? December 1st! December 1st already? That just blows my mind. December, can you believe it? We're already here. I can't. December, can you believe it already? December 1st, can you believe it already? Can you believe it's the 1st of December already? It's hard to believe. Hard to believe we are already in December. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Hard to believe it's already December. Yeah, that just yeah. blows my mind. Can you believe it's December already? What? How did that happen? So that was just a mashup of morning shows saying the same thing over and over again? Basically, news anchors, you know, generally have the same phrases about things. Right. December 1st. I don't think I said that because it does not surprise me because I feel like we've been staring at the calendar. (laughs) Well, we look at November in a different way than most people. Right, because we're setting up the tour and uh, setting up all these live events. Um, I I will say uh, a couple of things that I think is important. Tomorrow is my anniversary, and once again, I'm kind of working. So... But it's for a great cause. It is Operation New Uniform. Yeah. So it's at uh, Sawgrass. There's still some tickets left. So I'm going to be going there at night. I'll have a chance. To, uh, General Lennington will be there who runs Wounded Warriors. He might even be at our table, let's hope. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. If you're in the Florida area and get close, you should go because it's a great cause. It's uh, I, I got to get a tux. So I got to remember to bring my tux. I put it out already. Oh, you put okay. That's good because you're getting home late tonight, and then you have an early start tomorrow. Right. Yeah, we'll probably I'll probably we'll get home to about what one thirty, mm. and then we'll got I got to be up four thirty for uh, the car's coming for you at four thirty. So yeah, got to be up earlier. Yep. Oh, forgot about that. So yeah, does the car service wake you up sometimes? <laughs> you would be the one, the expert on that, right? Right. Yeah. Actually, don't they? You've said they've had to call to wake up every now and then, right? Yeah. Well, what happens is if you lose your power in the middle of the night, I never put up the put the backup battery in. So if you lose the power in the middle of the night, you look up and you just see that number flashing and then you hear the phone ring. Uh, for example, uh, you know, if you hear your phone ring and you have to put it together, you go, oh, my goodness. It's if, if I see the clock and it's 3 a.m., I overslept by that half hour, I'll never get it back all week. You're jumping I'll spend the bed. whole week. But ready. here's the question, Brian. You don't use that like little thing called the cell phone as your alarm anymore? Because if the power goes out, that'll still go off. I should do that. You don't? Right. No. <laughs> That's why I have a cock radio. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't have a battery backup? Oh, it does, but I never put the battery in. 
Right. That's my, that's my problem. I mean, your, your issue right there is very e- easily fixable. Right. So this is the story you just brought into me. I'm not going to read all of it because it's a little disgusting, but it's good news. Uh, Vladimir Putin uh, fell down the stairs. He fell down five steps, uh, and he soiled himself, according to the anti-Kremlin, I guess, app, Telegram, Telegram channel, with apparently links to a security report of this. He suffered an unfortunate fall at the Moscow's official residence on Wednesday. So it was yesterday, two days ago. Uh, the general, uh, who purports to be run by uh, this SVR, the general SVR, which is uh, which is reported run by a former Russian spy, he said the alien leader allegedly fell down five steps before landing on his coccyx. Uh, his security immediately rushed to his aid. He evidently is not doing well. He's 70 years old, but it, they say he has cancer. They say he has Parkinson's. I mean, he doesn't look good. He looks like he aged 15, 20 years. He prided himself on being in shape. And this, uh, this operation has gone so horrendously for him. I don't care how it comes out. If it has right now, he's losing his country. Hundreds of thousands have left. He has depleted his arsenal. He's been exposed as a third-rate military power. Uh, the Ukrainians are out fighting him. They have not budged at all. They are still more determined than ever. They're still getting support from the West. They've added two NATO nations, formidable NATO nations. Not uh, No offense to the Baltics, but the Baltics need to be protected. Finland and Sweden do not. They're now part of, uh, they're now part of NATO. So to me... This has been a disastrous campaign, so if he's ever going to fall apart, this is the time. The other big news I think is important is this, is this revelation I thought was inevitable. We heard about Russian infiltration buying small numbers of ads on Facebook for, uh, against Hillary Clinton. Well, TikTok has done worse. Uh, they've taken their very popular app, which they control, and they put out ads supporting issues that they care about for candidates they think would be better for them. For the most part, they're all Democratic candidates. So attack ads against Republican candidates financed on TikTok, which is seen by more young people than any other single app, including cable television, network television, anybody else. TikTok it was Snapchat for a while, it was Instagram for a while, it was Facebook for a while, it was MySpace for a while. But now everybody young is on TikTok. And the Chinese have used that as a way to get to the young voter. And if you see the way they turned out and were weaponized abortion, part of the reason some of these ads, sometimes we're giving credit to Democrats when the credit really belongs possibly to the Chinese. That is more than a little disturbing. And also shows you in the big picture how the one way we can get everybody together on one page, I think, is through China. Democrats and Republicans see the problem and they see the issue and they're willing to take action. What I need them to do is to back off Elon Musk because what they're doing is hurting their own cause. They are bringing more attention to Twitter, which was kind of wallowing, but now it's building. Here's what Jim Jordan said last night on Sean Hannity's show, Cut Nine. Well, we know Twitter did the same thing, that it was it was pushing down, uh, throttling back information about the Hunter Biden story. But it probably did a lot more. It probably went after conservatives and things they were saying and made sure that those comments, that information didn't get to the country and the citizens of this great country. So we assume that's what he's going to show. But we also know just the overall bias there. Uh, he's I mean, that, what was it, a couple days ago it was the stay woke T-shirts and things that he had that, that, that Twitter had there. So Elon Musk is doing a service to the First Amendment, doing a service to the Constitution, doing a service to the country. And I think, frankly, the world in that he is bringing this all to light. Right. Um, I even added I think I added 3000 followers last night. 
I know you, you you don't think it's a big deal. I understand it would take me two weeks to put to get three thousand followers. Last night I got three thousand followers. How do I explain that? I'm not saying I don't think it's a big deal. I just think it's funny with so many things going on in your life. You have so many things going on that you pay attention to that because there's I don't you're dealing with a million things a day of like vast importance and not saying that's not important, but it's not at the top I wouldn't think it's at the top of the list. No? Here's Tulsi Gabbard, cut ten. <laughs> And there's such a huge contrast here that Donovan, when I saw this story, this interview playing out today, on the one hand, you have Stephanopoulos treating this guy with kid gloves. You know, poor you, you only have $100,000 in your bank account right now. Uh, never mind the $20 billion has disappeared. How many people have been actually hurt through this? They're going out of their way to, to treat him kindly and with kid gloves and not actually call him out for, for exactly what he is. But... But compared it to Elon Musk and it's talking about KFT, uh, KFX, uh, FTX, and they're talking about that clown trying to do a PR campaign and Elon Musk trying to change the country. That's a contrast. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.